ladies and gentlemen, one and all, to season four, episode 12 of Two Guys, One Dice Cup, entitled Fireside Festive Fallout. My name is Al, Golden Eye Unicorn, and with me as always... Phil from Ashes Cairns. Yeah. Now, Phil, I know you just noticed I changed the name of the episode there. Yes, but I think it's better than what we'd come up with. It is. It is. There was a moment of inspiration as I was doing the countdown to start the podcast. So the festive fireside fallout. For those listeners maybe not familiar, at the end of the year, myself and Phil sit back like two old men in front of the fireside and take stock of the year that's gone uh, past. We're going to cover off some questions, which we'll talk about in the main section. Um, you know, about miniatures, games, game systems, things we've seen, things we've done, things we're looking forward to. And more like a, I guess, a roundup of our thoughts. That is pretty much what this episode's going to be, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Just a, a, a look back uh, in fondness and uh, the, the correct word for that. Wistful. Wistfully look yeah, back. A wistful, a, wistful, a wistful look back in fondness at uh, <laughs> what 2023 has brought us. Yep. And the then uh, and then a, a positive outlook towards 2024. But before we get to that, we are going to do our regular section at the start. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our hobby that myself and Phil have um, managed to achieve on the run-up to the festive season and uh, see if we've spent any money at all, uh, which I've got a funny feeling we might have. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Phil, so, so before we get onto the what's on the what's on the table, I already know from our pre-conversation to the podcast that neither you nor I have played a single game of anything since we recorded last. Actually, that's bullshit. Because <laughs> I've just I've just remembered now that I played I played a tournament uh, between the last podcast and now. How the fuck did you forget that when we spoke? I've no idea. Right, uh, old age. Let's, old age. Let's let's tell the listeners then. So I guess this has been the last competitive tournament you've been to for the year. So yes. where was it? What was it? And did you win? So, I played at uh, Mulligan's Jingle uh, Bell Bowl Ball, whatever it was, um, in set the central belt. Um, it was a Christmas themed tournament. There was two star players you could take. One was based off Santa Claus. The other one was based off Rudolph. I didn't take either of them. Um, I took vampires. Um, took a fairly reasonable roster, although they'd been put in tier two out of however many there was, which, to be honest, is a bit uh, restrictive. Um, having played them and having seen other people play them as well. Um, but uh, that's by the by, because you, you can only piss with the cock you got. That's what you got to play against and that's what you got to play with. And I chose to take vamps regardless. So my first game, I drove down with Gordon, GWI1874. We'd both come from Aberdeen. There was a field of, what, like 
30 something players, I think. First round, random draw. Who do you think I was playing? Oh dear. Exactly. So Gordon uh, was my opponent uh, in the first game. Um, to add insult to injury, he was also using one of my teams because I'd let him borrow my orc team uh, so he could play <laughs> play them. So it, in the first game, I was playing a team of my own against a player who I play with regularly in the in Aberdeen. In, in that situation, Phil, did you not ask the TO for a, a redraw or a, or a change? I mean, it's the first round. Nah. And it's, a, and it's a player from your club. It's the player that you've travelled, you know, three nah. hours with. Nah, nah, nah. nah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's just something that people should get on board with, you know. Like, it's a random draw. You can't do anything about that. If I ask for somebody to fudge a draw on the back of that, that's putting the TO in a pretty awkward position. And it all if, for example, I got a softer draw as a result, because Gordon's a good player as well. Um, if I got a softer draw and then went and won the tournament, people would be asking questions as to how whether I would have still won it if Gordon had played me in the first round. So, like I say, you can only piss with the cock you got. You can only play what's in front of you. And I think anything else would be a disingenuous way to look at it. Yeah, you know, I, I know there are people out there who would ask for that. I didn't like uh, the fact that I had to play somebody I knew first. First off, uh, that that's that's the way that's the way it goes. And uh, I'm glad I did because I beat the cunt. <laughs> 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 smashed, smashed his team about and uh, and beat him. I think it was three one in the end. Um, so like I think a couple of things happened in that game that that went um, uh, my way. Um, I got a couple of his players off KO. Um, I managed to get forward enough to score. Um, I then turned him over on his drive uh, when he forgot about. Uh, uh, hypno gaze and uh, managed to bugger off with the ball and score on his yeah. drive to make it 2 0. He scored a quick one with a, a view to trying to then whittle me down again to get a draw. Uh, but then I scored another one in turn 16 or whatever to, to make it 3 1. Um, it wasn't a bad game. Uh, I think, like I say, there were some key moments that kind of pushed it down more my side than his um, my vamps were behaving themselves largely uh, which is good uh, when it goes like that um, but it was a well a hard fought 3-1 um, mm -hmm. going into game 2 uh, I drew uh, McNugget um, to whatever his name is now Marky Mark uh, he was playing Skaven now Skaven were in the same uh, tier as uh, as vampires, which is which when you think about what Skaven have got access to and already built in skills versus what vampires have got, then that's kind of what we're talking about uh, when we're talking about them maybe being mistiered. Uh, it's yeah. that sort of level of disparity between the teams that are there. Um, needless to say, um, it 
wasn't all play, it wasn't plain sailing for either of us. So what happened in the first half was he he elected to receive. I turned the ball over. The ball bounced, went all the way up the other uh, the other end of, of towards his end zone. I got the ball. He managed to get some people on on me, but not. He wasn't able to blitz me. And then I failed the two plus dodge to score. Right. Uh, because I'd had to use rerolls on fucking. I think I'd had three sets of double skulls in the first uh, in the first half. So that that happened to me. We went in nil nil uh, in the first half, and then the second half, almost the exact opposite happened. Um, but this time. I failed a two plus to score again, and uh, he the ball I, I tanked it on the ground. The ball bounced out off the pitch, went diagonally towards my end zone, and he had a gutter <clears> on <throat> free, waltzed his way in, and at, by that point the damage was starting to kind of trickle away to my team, and he snuck in for the one nil. So I mean. The same thing happened to both of us, but it paid off for him. That that's right. that that was the difference in that game. So one one nil to him. Uh, it was very tight. The last game was against a guy called uh, David G. From uh, he plays in the the Mage League, the Mori Mayhem one, um, up in Elgin, um, and he's. Uh, He's a nice guy. Um, was was a, a decent play, person to play against. I th- I don't know how. I don't think he's been to that many tournaments. At least that was the impression that I got. Um, but he clearly didn't. He wasn't a, a new new player. He mm-hmm. he's clearly been playing for a bit of time up there. Um, he was running Skaven as well. He got the rub of the green quite a bit through the game uh, but it ended up in a uh, it was either a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw it was a draw either way Um, I don't think it was a bad, it wasn't an unfair result I think both of us made mistakes Uh, I think uh, both of us could have possibly walked out with a win you know like it was one of those games where it was on a knife's edge all the way through um, I think, I think it was a fair result. So I went one 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 in the end, um, which was fine. I was happy enough with that. Yeah, that was... well, it's, it's a reasonable way to end the year. And as you said, if the if the team you've elected to play has been poorly tiered, um, you know, as it looked like the Vamps had been, then. You can only ever do your best if that's the team you've decided to sort of give a give it a go with. So yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, I I elected to play them. I could have just chosen something else, and I wouldn't have said that. I, I don't necessarily say they're poor. They were poorly tiered. I think they were incorrectly tiered, but I understand the TO's reasoning behind tiering yep. a team that doesn't have much play time behind it conservatively. You know, like. If that's the decision they make, they've made that for the right the right reasons. You know, like I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand why they've made that decision. It's fine. So, um, 
it's kind of one of these things that again like i could have chosen to play something that would have been i would have had a better chance of winning with uh the tournament that is uh so that that's that's as much down to me as it is the the tier that they're in you know i've still got the choice to make at the end of the day but yeah that 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 was the only the only um uh tournament i played and the only games i've played in the last month yeah, well, as as I said, I have played nothing, so we can happily waltz on to talk about what has been on our hobby table before we get to the main guts of our fireside chat. So I know that last time when we spoke, I was a little bit disappointed by my hobby progress, and I think that's something I will definitely talk about in the main section when we're sort of re- when we're reviewing our year, but. In between uh, the two podcasts, the two recordings, I have swung a focus into starting a new bolt action army, and uh, you know I'll I'll talk about the reasons for it later on in the main body of the, the cast. But uh, the bulk of it is metal, which I like to work with, but it does mean a lot of um, filing and cleaning up. So I've filed and cleaned up and based uh, about 60 infantry models. So it's actually taken quite a chunk of time. And when I say based, the metal bolt-action miniatures, they're not um, in that old-fashioned slaughter-based style creation like Games Workshop um, mm-hmm. had. They come on a sort of... They're, they're freestanding on like a flat... or a little flat surface. Yeah. Aye. And so when you glue that onto a flat base, there's this massive lip. You know, it's like a maybe a centimeter's worth of metal. Um, so you have to use like a you know a polyfiller. Um, you know the the product I use is called Tetrion. It's an all-purpose filler to um, smooth over mm-hmm. and build up some layers on the base. So that also. Um, adds a little bit of time and I painted a, a test model for it and again I'll touch on you know the reason for doing a test model and what I found while I was doing it and why I've you know, done what I've done um, just to get this new project uh, underway so there's been a lot of construction happening and the great thing about this project is that I didn't have to buy anything I had it already sitting on the shelf the wall of shame so literally just reaching over, picking up boxes of product, ripping them open, filing, gluing, and going for it, which was really cool. Um, yeah, so that's that's the hobby for me. It's a lot of messy construction, but also quite satisfying to um, get a bit of focus on. What about you? Yeah. What was what was going on? That's uh, that sounds like a a good amount of uh, like like the donkey work before you get painting. So it, it's 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 one of those things where you get to the end of that and you're like, you can see an appreciable kind of like move from one stage there, uh, which is good. Uh, it's, good so it's a good place to be in. As far as me painting goes, what did I do? I finished up the vampires that I was painting uh, on commission. They got finished uh, about a week ago now. Um, I think they came out all right. Uh, I made a bit of a gamble with the skin, uh, going a bit off 
off piste with that uh, in terms of not the the kind of classic route with it, I think, um, and I think it worked quite nicely with the colour tones that were there. But um, ultimately, as long as the client is happy at the end of the day, that's all that matters, and he was happy, and that's that's brilliant. Um, so um, I was happy with them as well. Um, what else have I painted? I painted. Oh, I've I've started painting, and finished painting a troll for um the five bees tournament um which is the bobby burns blood bowl bash in uh oh fuck where is it is it Irvin? <laughs> that's right that's right it's Irvin. um uh, so chris hastings the um the t to for that is uh naf name is highland enoch is uh he got in touch with me asking me if I could do it, and I was I said yes. Uh, so he sent it through. It's a Grebo troll. Um, so I'll be posting up some pictures of the process of that um, in the in the not too distant future as well. So I've just got to base that now and varnish it, and then that's that that done. Um, I've also been doing some prep work. So that's me wound down really from um, commissions for the end of the year, uh, and I've been doing some prep work for like my busman's holiday over uh, the Christmas period where I get to paint some of my own shit. Yeah. Um, so I've been putting, sorting out some hobgoblins for that, for my um, fantasy battle slash old world army. And that's about it really. So it doesn't, it's not a massive amount, but it's a decent amount. And it was a good end point to like the, the work period for the year for me. Um, it kind of uh, ties things up quite nicely for the end of the year. <clears throat> so ha- happy with what I managed to get done. Good. So in between all of that, though, how many dollars, pounds, oh. euros and shekels escaped from the wallet of Phil this month? Um, so for for our for our regular listeners, we already know what is about to happen. But for anybody that's just joining us, we have a little competition's a really poor word, but uh, myself and Phil try to guess the expenditure of the other, and we only get three guesses to to get close to it, um, and we've dropped ourselves little clues throughout our various team chats and stuff that we have during the course of the month. And all mm-hmm. this is in an effort to try and control our spending. Um, quite a few years ago when we started recording uh, podcasts and media content, we were, you know, quite happily banding about the big figures. And then it was at some point we realized it's like, wow, we spend a lot of money on toy soldiers. Um, yeah. we, we need to get control. So sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And I don't think it's worked for Phil this month. No, it hasn't worked for Phil this month. Right. Phil so is, can... is the worst. Yep, so can I, can I do some guessing for you, Phil? Go for it. Right, Phil, you are happily going to be cracking £250 this month. Oh, you're almost right on the nose there. Oh, no way, no way, amazing. Post. Can I get it in second guess? 254 Oh, Oh, it's even closer. Go, oh, go for a no third way. guess. I'm going to go for... £255.70. 
Oh, that that's almost that's so close. It's it's it's. I'm, I'm gonna let you have that. Two five five forty four. Jesus, that's the best guessing I've ever done. Right. So, man alive. How, how much hobby happiness did you buy for that? So the way I look at this haul in <laughs> principle is, uh, it's it's Christmas, <laughs> and uh, I I've made. Uh, myself happy by buying myself Christmas presents. So, um, so what I've purchased this month, I got. I think anybody who was listening last month uh, found out or heard that I bought a Nurgle palanquin for like um, old timer stuff for a reasonable price because it didn't have the banners with it. I managed to pick up the banners this month, so that that snuck in there. That was a nice find. Um, so that completes that model. Um, I also got so like my focus has always been on buying books for eras of uh, like fantasy battle, forty k that I was playing or interesting interested in the game for when I first started. So, like, for long-term listeners will know I bought, like, the reprints of the Two Realm of Chaos books, etc. Um, as I've completed the third edition books for Fantasy Battle and have almost completed the fourth edition books for Fantasy Battle, um, my focus switched a little bit onto the 40k side of things. And for Rogue Trader, uh, I've got the original book, um, but I also picked up this month uh, i picked up freebooters the uh orc book with all the orc army lists for road trader um and also the 40k compendium as well <clears throat> which was um like a collection of uh white dwarf rules basically uh yep. in a book um so i got those two uh i also picked up um the sixth edition fantasy battle orc and goblin and tomb kings books for pretty reasonable prices as well um in terms of miniatures though uh i got the following um i bought uh, a hobgoblin rocket launcher from like c series era so like uh, late late 80s or mid to late 80s so not the uh uh sort of uh uh, big Hat era, Chaos Dwarves, Hobgoblins, the, the era before that. Uh, they had a rocket launcher, uh, which kind of looks like uh, uh, some sort of large firework on a on a <laughs> D-saw, uh with some Hobgoblins gingerly uh, handling fireworks around it and uh, trying to light it. So it's always been one that's kind of tickled my fancy. So I got that. Um, I also got um quite a good find actually um i've been looking for like i needed hobgoblins for like foot soldiers for my fantasy battle army and i'm not i'm not mad keen on the big hat era ones anyway i I don't mind them they're not bad models and i'll probably pick up some of those at some point further down the line uh but um i wanted ones that fitted more with the theme of the uh, kind of the helms rather than the hats sort of era chaos dwarves and some of the old regiment of renowned ones, um, 
I think this was the despoiling hobgoblins of the Darklands. Uh, it was what they were called. I managed to pick up an unopened uh, hard plastic uh, clam pack thing from uh, an eBay auction with a full set of them. So it's eight monopose metal models um, and then a champion, a unit leader, a musician and a standard bearer. Um, and it was in unreal condition, like as in like it, it looks like you could have just picked it up in a store in the eighties. Um, the box itself was in immaculate condition. The backing card, the gobbles backing card was in immaculate condition. It's in such good condition that I'm probably going to frame it, um, as a bit of nostalgia. Uh, I was humming and hawing as to whether I was going to open that one up, uh, because I know that those packs were absolute bullshit to get into, having got into them myself when I was younger. Uh, but after a bit of gingerly buggering about with it, uh, I managed to I managed to get into it uh, fairly fairly easily, and uh, I've decided to paint those ones so they'll be my Christmas project. And the last the last model I got, which I haven't received yet. Um, was the was an orc general uh with a boar um i actually just picked the, uh bought that today uh for fantasy battle as well like an old marauder miniatures one um so that's it that's it's a lot of stuff uh quite a bit of rare stuff as well the, the freebooters book wasn't cheap yep um it's in immaculate condition as well. You sometimes like a lot of those ones, like the Wag the Orcs and uh, Here We Go and stuff like that, uh, and Freebooters were designed to be popped out of the back of the uh, the hard uh, sort of back because they've all got like um, punch holes in them, mm -hmm. so the spines can generally give quite easily, and especially with older books. I mean that book must be. 37 years old or something like that maybe uh, so um, maybe not as old as that, maybe 35 36, who knows um, so it's um, it's in it's in pristine condition, it's not even sort of giving from its spine, you know like a lot of these you see with the, the spine detached from the hardback because that was how they were yeah. designed to work um, so yeah happy to pick that one up how about yourself? Let's think. What have you spent? You've been pretty quiet, although you'd, I think you did say that you'd spent some money earlier on the, the month. Um, five pounds. Sorry, what did you say? 85. Oh, no, a lot less than that. Less, a lot less. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 35. Whoa, right, you're in the ballpark now. Tiniest little bit higher and you'll get there. Thirty-seven pounds. We're about we're at we're at thirty-eight ninety, so you're as you're as just as good as I guess with you. So very controlled, very controlled time. So listeners, what there's been a bit of a theme running all year. 
So what transpired between recording last month and this month, I was rummaging around the house trying to tidy up different storage areas and, and whatnot. And I was repackaging some stuff that I'd gotten from the family home a few years ago. And I finally found my collection of fighting fantasy novels from when I was a young boy. And I sent a picture of all the spines of the books that I lined up and I sent it to Phil. Phil, how fucking good is that collection? That's good. It is good. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Like, yep. I, I had no idea you had that much of it. Yep. Nor, nor, well, I knew I had a lot, but I was happy to report that I've got, I have, I own at least two thirds minimum of all the books ever released. And, what that meant was that I am closer to a full set than I am to not having a full set. So I think that the afternoon or evening that I had looked it all out and looked at it and just basked in how amazing it was to see them all again, I then went on a quest to fill the blanks in. Oh, dangerous stuff. But I managed to pick up two books. Um... Which ones was it? Daggers of Darkness, book number 35, and Masks uh, of Mayhem, book number 23. So I managed to pick them up on the cheap, which was good. Um, one of the close calls that I reported with Phil was that, for some reason, I I don't understand the, the pricing and the rarity of the fighting fantasy books, but or how they're worked out, but I get the impression that the books that were published later are actually rarer. You know, so you can pick up book one, you know, or like the first 15 books pretty cheap. You know, they'll, they'll be in quite a bit of a battered condition. But if you're looking for like book number, I think it's like book number 58, which is like um, called Night Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I think it's book 57, Revenge of the Vampire. They're upwards of like £200 on eBay and private sale groups. Jesus. Yeah, it's madness. Absolute madness. Um, but the great thing is, I've got those. <laughs> that was great. I've <laughs> yeah. got those. See, when I pulled them out and I was like, oh, baby, I've got them. And it wasn't from a selling point of view. It was just from a, oh, yeah, I don't have to, I don't have to buy them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the last one is book number 59. I think it's Revenge of the Mummy or Curse of the Mummy or something. And it's like £250 and up. But I was um, I was one bit away from getting one on eBay for 110. It went for in the end, and I was bidding on it while I was bathing my son. So it was like high stress, you know. There's a toddler spraying water in every direction, but there's also only two minutes left for the bidding, and I'm sweating. But I missed out on it, which was disappointing. Um, but I, obviously, that's not an expenditure I had. Uh, almost was. Um, but the other thing I bought. And I will talk about it a little bit more when we talk about a review of the year, though, is I bought a new Blood Bowl Dwarf team from a company called Granite Miniatures. <gasps> that is you. That's me. That is me. <laughs> yep. So I will talk about that team and why I have bought that team um, in the coming section. But I am, um, yeah, I've been quite careful with my money obviously it's the run up to christmas you know there's 
there is plenty of money flowing out of this house uh, on the most random things um, for gifts for wives and sons and families and stuff. So, um, but I've got my eye on a few other things for next month, so it's not going to be a a lean month next next time either. So, well, that's me. Good buying power. Hi. I mean, I uh, I would like to point out as well that my children have not gone without uh, for Christmas uh, <laughs> in the slightest. Uh, plenty of money has come out of uh, of the Cairns household for yes. uh, for my children as well. Yes. And sorry, oh, Phil. Uh, as a as a as a final thought, I know that you commented that you had um, not received that goblin general that you purchased yet. Yes. I just want to point out to the listeners as well that I have not received my dwarf team that I purchased. So no. I can't can't wait till that arrives. You you only purchased it today, so <laughs> I know. And when when did you purchase your goblin general? Today, so yeah, uh, so yeah, so suck it, uh, princess. Yeah, we, we've both we've both uh, we've both given full disclosure on that one. We could easily yep. just left that one off for for next month. Yeah. Um. Hilariously, I'd totally forgotten you'd bought that until uh, you mentioned this, <laughs> even yeah. though you just bought it today. <laughs> absolute absolute potato. I do remember tomorrow. I know, I know I've got to print it tomorrow, so uh, that that that's fine. Um, that's all good. What um, what uh, who designed it? I can't even remember. It's a company called Realm of Paths. Oh, good. Who, um, I don't I don't know the name of the person who runs the company, so I'm not going to assume their gender um, or anything like that. Uh, I will just say that they are a really nice person, and uh, I'm part of their Discord as well. And uh, as a a business focused person, uh, they put a lot of effort into finding out what the their customers want. Um, and with me being a a business that sells their stuff as being a member of their merchant tier, their Patreon, that's great. Uh, it's a great amount of. Uh, conversation and chat had about stuff between all of us in the discord everybody seems to speak quite openly and and upfront and the uh realm of paths person takes everything on board uh again they might not agree with everything that people say but uh they they are quite happy to listen to what people say uh which is a a nice uh uh quality to have as a person uh, let alone a business. Uh, so I thoroughly recommend their stuff. Uh, you can buy it if you don't have a three D printer. You can buy it directly from me, or any of the other people who sell their stuff. But preferably from me. If you do have a three D printer, you can always subscribe to their Patreon or buy their stuff and three D print it. Whatever works, whatever floats your boat. I would strongly suggest buying their stuff, though. I like it. So there we go. So, by the fireside, our year in review. Yes. Where, where would you like to start? Are you drinking for our review of the year? My drinking. No, as, as, my, uh, as I've got older, my ability to drink has not diminished. My ability to hold it in so I don't have to have a piss every fucking minute and a half uh, has diminished greatly. Yeah. Uh, like so, I generally don't drink during the podcast because I'd be up and down to the toilet uh, for toilet breaks regularly. So I've I've got some water in front of me, uh, yeah. 
I'm drinking wine. I'm on the Shiraz from the Darenberg Estate in the McLaren Valley in Plus South I, Australia. Plus, I upset a lot of people without drink. How how do you think I'd get on if I was drinking? Well, I I think nine times out of ten, I'm always drinking on whatever podcast or social media content I'm producing. So usually yeah. by the end of the podcast, I um, my comments are getting a little bit looser. Yeah. A little bit wilder. I I don't need drink to be spicy. <laughs> alcohol alcohol helps me a lot. So looking back, mate, it's been it has been a busy year from gaming, painting, hobbying, you know, things we've looked at. We've we've changed not changed, but we've increased our scope of podcast content. So we've gone from Blood Bowl, Bolt Action, Fantasy Novels, Old World. Um, you know, trying to increase our, our repertoire, but you know, out of all of that, um, what's what's been your your favourite game system? New, old, played, even just read. What have you what have you liked the look of in the year gone by? Um, I think there's so many facets to that question. I've only really played a couple of game systems over the year. Um, so from a playing perspective it's probably still going to be Blood Bowl because I enjoy playing Blood Bowl um, from, a ter- from terms of reading the rules and stuff like that um, like as much as I haven't played it yet uh, Bolt Action rules have interested me mm-hmm. um, so uh, but I, I, not to a point where I would say well that's my favourite rules system uh, I would need to have played it a bit um, I think from mentions of other stuff, you know, like it's been lovely getting back into reading all the rules for the old Warhammer stuff, Fantasy Battle and uh, Realm of Chaos era stuff. Like it's been great uh, nostalgia trip for that. And um, although I haven't played any games of that this year, uh, I might be able to sneak one in before the end of the year if Gordon and I can get Whoa. something to change. If not, it'll be the start of of next year. Um, But um, from the other systems I've actually played, I've played some Age of Sigmar and 40k this year. And I think if if I'm ranking the stuff I've played this year, it'd be Blood Bowl, Age of Sigmar, 40k. Um, I think Blood Bowl, because I play it regularly and I I like the, the game system anyway, Age of Sigmar because I think it's been out long enough. It's a fairly balanced game in terms of the rules haven't changed wildly. Uh, it it's playable and it's quite an open system with a good load of army choices. Forty um, k I've been a bit disappointed with. I think my problem with forty k at the moment is, as would be with any system where they've done a complete overhaul, um, the codex. Uh, creep of the brand new codex coming in while everything else is on a an index isn't a great yep. experience so whenever you get a brand new codex it's automatically the best thing so like if and if your army isn't that thing you're in for a rough ride if you're playing against it because it's it's always going to be the the next big thing and until almost every uh, or a wider range of the the factions uh, are in that situation where they've all had their new codex and points balances are kind of uh, bringing things up and down. 
uh, with a bit of, of tweaking. It's not going to be a particularly well balanced system, um, so it's a difficult. It's 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 less enjoyable to play, I think, as a result. Uh, however, in retrospect, it's still better than ninth was, um, but I don't think it's in as good a place as eighth was yet. It it could well be uh, within a couple of years or a year and a half, once a lot more of the codexes are out. Uh, but yep. yeah. So that's me. How about yourself? What, what what about you for the same question? I think it won't come as any surprise to our regular listeners that Bolt Action continues to remain as my favourite game system. I just feel that every time every time I take to the table I have enjoyment of it. Win, lose or draw. Um and I've been able to play bolt action at your, you know, the, over the course of this year, especially just at your basic introductory level, helping new players, that sort of intermediate level at, um, you know, at tournaments, but not like not serious tournaments. And then I have played it at, and, and often have to make sure we stay humble when we say, when we talk like this, but I have played it at the world class level, you know, the, World Open War team event brought together the best players globally, you know, and people will always cry, it's like, oh, it's just the people that can afford to travel, but you know, it's still it's still among the best players were there um, and got to play all three of those levels and got to thoroughly enjoy every style of game it's diversity as well and the and the player packs that tournament organizers can put out. You know, I've played the format in doubles. Uh, that sort of limited format that you can take, you know, other than, other than there being a points limit, you know, you can take what you want as much as you want. You know, so a really competitive, you know, min-max environment, which has also got its enjoyment. And then also the more themed events where there's, you know, bring an army that's got a feel of, you know, something that could have been, you know, quote, real end quote sort of thing. And then this year as well, that saw the release of a couple of new expansion books, um, focusing initially on the campaign, the invasion of Italy by the Allied forces, and then the invasion of the Soviet Union by the Axis powers. And that brought some new elements to the game in the tail end of the year, uh, which I think uh, reinvigorated the player base, I think, was a, probably a good thing, because the second edition of Bolt Action has been out since 2016, so it's a very stable game system. There does continue to be FAQs brought out for it, but everything that's been answered now is so fringe, so, you know microscopic moments of rules clarity that are that are maybe needed. Um you know it's it's been nice to not have to well I don't know relaunch the game but having those new books and those new new units and new options really did reinvigorate a lot of people's spirit which was um which was good. So yeah bull action remains there. I also do have to say though that the first few tentative steps back into Blood Bowl were enjoyable as well. You know, playing good. playing the the Snail Cup. So I've had eleven 
online games of Blood Bowl this year with dwarves, and I finished exactly how a dwarf should. Uh, two wins, seven draws, and two losses. Exactly what a dwarf should do. Um, Good stuff. But then also getting to play a live event and going, you know, one 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 again. Um, so now that that enjoyment and that that sort of spirit is still there for it. But yeah, bolt action was by far my favourite game system um, from this year. Yeah, bolt action. <clears throat> it, what you're saying about it being a stable uh, rule system. Uh, but just introducing stuff for um, to kind of keep people interested and stuff and to freshen things up a bit is is a great place for a rule system to be. I think. Yeah. Um, it it's testament, I think, to how reasonable a level of balance there is on a wider scale within the within the rule set. Yes, there will be some armies that are obviously more. Uh, geared to be in like top tier or whatever and there'll be some sort of more dog shit armies down the bottom at the end but um that that's fine if the middle ground is quite well balanced as well which it sounds like it is you know it sounds like in in my opinion it is and what tournament organizers and event organizers can gear their packs to create a little bit of balance And, and it doesn't have to be huge changes you know I've, I've watched i watch all the player packs globally if i can just to see what other countries are doing and to maybe get ideas to tweak my own or you know for for you know just the sake of reading them and some some player packs in different countries will limit the numbers of particular unit types or they will or in addition they'll change a few of the core rules as to how weapons work or if you buy a you know a maximum sized infantry squad they'll give you a free light machine gun which is like giving you a 20 point upgrade for free and they do lots of things like that to try and rebalance everything and in my opinion all that does is it just shifts the balance of power to something else you know so if you say you can't have any more than two flamethrowers well that's good for units that are good for armies that are you know adversely affected by flamethrowers it gives them more power because they're going to encounter less of them. So it just shifts that balance. Whereas a basic thing, I believe, rebalances the game is how many platoons you can make an army from. So, you know, so the basic core for creating a bolt action army is known as the generic reinforced platoon structure, where you can have you know one one commander, five infantry squads, plus all the support. That's a good way to balance it, just by letting one. Because if you allow two generic platoons, it means that the balance of power shifts towards the the top, or the, the more top tier armies, because they can double up on particularly powerful units that that other lesser armies don't have access to. Okay. You know, so yeah. a, a quick a quick example is that if it's a the the early war M3 Stuart, known as the Daka Stuart, because it's got it's just bristling with cheap machine guns. You can handle one of them on the battlefield pretty comfortably. But if you go to a double platoon structure, that means that you know the British lists, the German sorry, the British lists, the Soviet lists, and the American lists can all take two of them. Right. 
So that just pushes them up further. Um, and whereas the lists that don't get access to them or, or tanks like them, you know, they then become less, less, less powerful or a less optimal choice. Okay. Um, so, so that's instead of you know fiddling with, you know the, and fiddling with the micro, you just take care of the macro to to balance it. And but that, and you know that's that's why in my it's all my opinion. I'm just one guy on the internet talking. Um, but that's why it's my favorite game system. I always prefer playing single platoon army. Just, it just it's a more feels like a more balanced game. It's more down to the player than the tricks. Yeah, no, I mean that that all makes sense. You know, it's uh, all you say. It's uh, just one guy on the internet. It's uh, it's from having played with experience, and uh, you can't, you can't really devalue that. You know, even if you're not a good player, you know how. You should know how the how things affect the ecosystem, you know. Mm-hmm. Even and I think it's fair. It's fair to have an opinion on it, even if other folk disagree. So yeah, yeah. that's fine. But like all that talk of you know tournament packs and stuff. What was your? Because we 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 went to a lot of events this year. I feel between the two of us. Yeah, what was your favorite? Yeah, I went to a lot more this year than I did the year before. Um, yeah. I think UKTC uh, was my favourite this year. Um, that was UK, UKTC for Blood Bowl. In... Yes, yes, in yeah. uh, York. Um, I think, I mean, it's one I go to regularly. It's a team tournament, which is a format I really enjoy. Um, it's uh, usually a good a good excuse to have a laugh with folk uh, and just be part of something rather than sort of being stuck out there on your own. Like in a, over six games, if you're if you're sat on your own a lot of the time and you're having a bad time, um, it can be quite um, like uh, demoralising. Yeah. Uh, but if you're part of a team and you're having a bad time, you've got three other players to help pick you up and dust you off. Um, if you're having a good time, it's a shared experience of fun. If one of your one of your teammates is having a bad time you are then part of trying to uh, bring up their their mood and help them it's 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 a it's an opportunity to have a all-encompassing um wholesome experience of playing <laughs> a game i feel uh, yeah. because you've, there's so much opportunity in there to have like a an epic kind of time, a good time, regardless of whether you're winning or losing. Um, and it's a it's one of the few opportunities to do that with friends as part of a shared experience. Uh, that that's yep. why I love I love team tournaments like that. Uh, they really float my boat because of that that concept. And UKTC is the leading edge of that. I know some folk would be like, oh, what about Eurobowl and what about World Cup? It's like they're they're too big to be as personal and um like um like I don't know, community uh than uh than than the UKTC is. I mean UKTC is still a big tournament, but you go in that room and you know you can see like like a, a bunch of people you know and 
even and you, you're going to come across folk and chat away and things like that. It's not quite the same at uh, Eurobowl and World Cup level because there's so much more people in there. I mean, you could quite yep. easily go a day without seeing anybody you know until you actually get back to the hotel or whatever. Um, especially if you're rocking the wrong end of the tables from all your other uh, personal uh, personal friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I don't know, it's just great. I love it. I think Brendan runs it really well, and all the people that uh, that help him help make it a really nice experience. Um, it's one of the few tournaments out there that I would say everybody should try and get to. And it's by far my favourite tournament every year. Yeah, got a hard on for it. <laughs> it arouses me. Gotcha. Glad we're not videoing it today. Yeah. How about yourself? What what's your, what was your favourite tournament of the year? This is when Why? I have physically swung my chair around to look at the trophy cabinet. Such a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> but I've gathered or I, during the course of the year if I've been fortunate enough to win any trophies, I've put them in one particular corner. And I'm just looking at them now, and there are there are four. There are four there. I've got the winning, I've got the first place from a bolt action event called Attrition, which was held in Elgin. Not in Elgin, in Forfar, Brecon. Okay. And that was just a one day. That was a local event, but that was tough going. Then I've got the, I've got the first place trophy for the um, Battle of Britain Grand Tournament for Bolt Action, which was held in a Birmingham. And that's... I put a lot of work into that. Look, I'm going to dribble on here, but I am going to come to pretty much a similar conclusion to you. I have got a group winner's trophy from World Open War in Southend, which was the big Bolt Action international team event that I attended. And it's pretty much mirrors everything you said, that it was, I mean, luckily for us, bowl action isn't as big as Blood Bowl, so for us it was still intimate, in that it was still, there were still 16 teams. 16 teams of three, um, but, you know, all, all, all different countries. And our community internationally is still of a good size that we all know each other, we actually know each other, yeah reasonably well you know I'm, I've got good relations with the, the Germans the Danes England Wales the US um, you know I'll I'll say in a way it's like not so much Spain but that's just because of there's a language barrier between us all but you know I recognise all the Spanish players so when I walk into a room I will make sure I say hello shake hands give them a hug um, for that camaraderie between us all I truly wish I could speak to them more, but their English is basic and my Spanish is less than that. Um, but it, it was getting to share the experience with with the other some other Scots and getting to socialise with our you know brothers in arms around the world. Um, and and it was a fully competitive environment, but. Harking back to what I said earlier, it was it was a single platoon format, so mm-hmm. there were no tricks. 
there were no lists. I mean, there was a few lists that were optimized to what they could be, but there were none of those really hard moments of you know rock paper scissors when you were working out the matchups. Um, and and it was it was very much more player focused. And I was really happy that not only myself, but our entire team could hold their head up high and what we achieved that weekend. Um, and it wasn't all, and it wasn't in, you know, individual performances. It was the three of us as a team from Scotland. You know, we really made sure that we um, made our mark at the event with the, with the rounds that we won, the group that we won. Um, you know, and, and the reputation that we sort of maybe established or re-established. Um, and I also have to say, this Saturday night out was absolutely fucking epic. We got hammered so bad. It was brilliant. And then on the Sunday, after we'd all, you know, won our different things, we got straight back on the booze, you know, proper fucking Scottish style. It was great. Loved it. Yeah, that that's that sounds again like exactly what I I said. You know, like it's it's all about it's all about the camaraderie for the whole thing. Yeah, it's a a great uh, a great experience. Like I would always say to somebody, if you've never played in a team tournament, you should give it a go uh, because yes. it's a it's a it's a a different way of playing. It could be the way that reinvi- uh, reinvigorates playing a game system for you if um, you're um, struggling with uh, solo play. Yeah, or or the motivation for it because you've got yeah. those those team players to lean back on and and talk to, and it's a social group for you. And um, now there is there is a, a good sense of togetherness for it, and yeah. it's, and, it's and it's a also experience. yeah. yeah. And it's also great to be able to look around and know that there are some guys in the room that you're not competing against. You can look at them and think, you don't have to think, you know, oh yeah, I could be up against you next. Yeah. You can look look to your pals and get advice and they can talk to you about advice and things you should and shouldn't do or, you know, help keep your chin up. Whereas in an, in an individual's event, you know, everybody's free game. I know and this will sound really cutthroat, but if you see a good player that's down in their luck and their head's down, you don't want them to come back up because they might be beating you next round. Yeah. I think there's yeah. there's instances for me personally with that where I would I would look to who that person was. If it was a league mate, you know, like I always want people around me uh who I'm friends with and who um I'm I respect as people to be doing well. So I I would uh, I I'm the sort of person who is happy to see somebody else doing well uh, as mm-hmm. well. So I would be keen to kind of bump up their uh, expectations. I mean, most folk who know me see me do that all the time. You know, like uh, I, I I do it publicly. I do I'll do it privately in chats with people. I just want other people to to kind of have fun as well and if that's taking the, the heat helping it take the heat off them in a single player tournament i'll do that as well even if they play me in the next round i'd be happy if they were having a good time as well um, as long as it was a good match it's all good 
Uh, but I also, but I also understand where you're coming from as well. There as well. Yeah. Uh, like, um, I think I think the difference between you and me there is you're very competitive in your current game system um, because you're at the top of your game. You want yeah. you want to do well. You want to keep doing well. And like you said, there's a competitive edge there, you know, and that that's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with approaching a game like that. Um, I'm in a slightly different headspace in that, I mean, I've won a tournament, I've done reasonably well in other ones, uh, but to me, for Blood Bowl, like, as long as I'm enjoying playing the game, I could lose all three games and still have fun, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about uh, position or standing or anything like that. Rankings. I mean, it's nice to see yourself doing well uh, in in a game system or see an improvement in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But as long as you can understand why went something something went wrong, and you can look back at it and say, "Well, it's not just dice. I made mistakes." Blah blah blah, and you can hold yourself accountable. And I'm at, I'm at that place where like very few instances are dice dice it's usually something i've done wrong i can pinpoint a point in a game where things have gone wrong and i know it's either i've made a mistake or a player's made a better judgment call than me and exploited something and that's fine you know so i i I think we're we're in different different stages of our our careers in our games uh, yeah. I've been playing long enough in Blood Bowl to not really give a monkey's about that. <laughs> but um, but uh, there are plenty of people in our community who are so cutthroat about it. I on on a neg in a negative way uh, yeah. that uh, and you're definitely not like that in the the bolt action thing. So I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest you. No, are. not at all. Um, so yeah, it's a it's an interesting kind of yeah. Um, thought process that way but yeah it's it's uh but the the great thing the great thing both of us looking back in our year is that we've both highlighted team events where it's it's more we're more focused on like we're with our our friends and our countrymen enjoying each other's company and enjoying the games you know that's why i was looking at the trophies i'm like which ones did i enjoy the most like standing up and getting a trophy is always fucking good fun but you know the journey like the journey to some of that individual wins was fucking horrific. Like, yeah. you know the the amount of mental work I had to put in to get there. Whereas I was looking at the World Open War trophy, I'm like, you know, what was my first thoughts was, you know, picking up the trophies, the Saturday night out, and the 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 smack talking outside of the games, and then I remember like, oh yeah, the games were really good too. So, you know, so it's it's that really great social aspect was the was the winner and you know this drive and need to go to that event again next year and i thankfully have got my place on on the team for next year so you know it's good looking forward to that very much so cool man what do you so moving moving on to the next question what was your favorite new release of model or Book or fucking color. Uh. <laughs> when when I read when I read through our questions initially, I really struggled with this one because I looked back and I 
pretty confidently can say I have not bought a new release miniature the entire year from any company for any game system for any reason. And it's like, well, what the fuck have I got excited about? Like, what has really been, you know, sparked my interest to, and to spend money? And I think my favorite release was um, from a company called Micro Art Studio. They do the scenery, that um, MDF laser cut stuff that's got the all the sort of printed detail on it. Yeah. They released their 28mm uh, Normandy, sort of Normandy, France scenery sets. You know, so they've got like townhouses, uh, little sort of petrol station type thing. Was that a release for this year? Because what was this year? They might have they might have actually added to it. Um, yeah, they, they actually yeah they added more to the range this year, and that's the stuff that got me excited the most. And I think as well, look, I'd have to look down at the the new campaign books. The it's the the second campaign book that Warlord Games brought out, and it's called um, Case Blue. And it deals with the uh, Axis invasion of the Soviet Union, which kicked off in 1941. I really enjoyed reading that, reading about that theatre of war. Um, just because my German army is done in the winter sort of camouflage scheme. And that that's their sort of area of combat where I've sort of envisioned them fighting. So... Um, but no, the Microsoft Studio stuff. That's that's been. I think they've released that, and the, the the quality of the product's really good. And it's also nice that they're a sponsor of um, the the Megatron Three Thousand tournament that I run. But I'm not yeah. just plugging them as a sponsor. They are really good quality, and and I think I've mentioned that before. They do other other game systems like for Infinity, and I'm sure they do some 40k stuff. But the the Normandy. The Normandy stuff has been excellent, and I'm I am glad I own quite a lot of it now. What about I, you? I, You've you're you're every, more in tune. Yeah, every time I've seen all that uh, micro art stuff, uh, it, it does look really good for what it is. Like um, I, uh, I'm not usually a fan of kind of MDF kits and stuff like that, but they they do make some really nice looking ones. I think half yeah. the battle, like you say, is the a lot of them are pre-painted, um, um, and they look they look professional out of the box. I mean, you've mm -hmm. still got to glue them together, obviously, but uh, um, they look professional out of the box. Whereas the other MDF ones you get can look a bit cheap and tatty. Yep. And then you've you've got to spend a lot of time tarting them up. So, yeah. yeah. On on my side, right. So I didn't, I didn't, this didn't go down to me being something I bought uh, as such. I still intend to buy it at some point, but I haven't purchased it yet. I had, I had a look at this from more from the case of, well, what did I see miniature release wise uh, that's been, uh, that's been released this year um, that I thought was a fantastic model uh, just from the way it looked or, uh, or, like the the range it was from or what have you and 
there were a couple that really stood out for me um, of actual physical releases that came out. Um, and bizarrely, both of them were on horseback. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the notable mention goes to um, the... Oh, fuck, what's it called now? That's just gone right, right, right in my head. It's one of the new Cities of Sigmar um, models. There's like a... Let me just uh, load up the god-awful new uh, uh, Warhammer page and see if I can find it. It is the Free Guild Cavalier Marshal. So that that was okay. that was the runner-up. Uh, I just think it is such a beautifully posed model uh, in terms of the way the horse is uh, descending uh, where it was. Uh, the guy on the top has got quite a few different options available for, like, gear and what have you. It just it just looks really cool, uh, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of it's got good proportions for a horse. Like uh, a lot of GW stuff, like the horses could be a bit iffy, uh, but I think it works really nicely as a model. The base is quite nice for it. It it looks it looks the part. I was. Uh, quite uh blown away when some of the new cities of sigmar stuff came out um the other probably the other notable mention out of that has it come out separately or is it maybe it hasn't come out separately yet or maybe it hasn't actually come out yet um oh yeah i it's another cities of sigmar one that i liked and that was the Pontifex Zestra, the matriarch of the Great Wheel. It's like a mm-hmm. a couple of guys carrying a, a woman on a, a <laughs> like it's like a religious artifact. Kind of reminds me of the uh, um, the Grail Reliquary sort of thing from Fantasy yep. Battle, but with an actual uh, live person on it rather than just a dead person. There is a dead person on the back. So those two, those two were right up there, and it was a tough one. Um, I've gone full Games Workshop on this, uh, and it's not because I just like Games Workshop stuff. I love loads of other things, and there's been some other crackers out there as well. But uh, my absolute favourite model of the year has been the um, the new Harbinger of Decay. Uh, again, uh, on on horseback, it just. It just looks great. I don't think there's any single part of that model that I would change. It has a complete throwback in terms of uh, there's the sign, there's the crow uh, from the uh, old fantasy battle that uh, yeah. model kind of moved straight into into Age of Sigmar as well. Uh, but it sells like the vibe of Age of Sigmar really really well it's got like loads of flowing detail again there's like lots of options for you can have a different type of scythe or a bell you've got different head options it just looks awesome like i'm very rarely kind of blown away by models uh Mm -hmm. because i've seen so many different types but that one is just you can see that it's almost like like a what's it, the artist Frank Frazetta or whatever it is, like the old school 
fantasy art. It's almost like something you could you could legitimately see that as a drawing from the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, from fantasy art, I think it it begs to be drawn on a cover of a uh, poster or um, like a uh, like a film poster or something like that. It's just that that sort of vibe. I, think it's I thought ace. you were gonna. I thought you were gonna go for like hard hard metal album. Or that as well. I mean, you could you could definitely metal that up in, yeah. in terms of. Uh, I could see. Uh, uh, a metal band using something similar as a as a fairly moody cover shot with that, but yeah, God, I just as soon as it came out, I was like, you know something, yeah, that's awesome. I I haven't seen a model that good for a long time. So yes, that 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 is my uh, release of the year. So did you have you bought that or will you buy that? I mean, what what's what's been your favorite purchase that. of the year? I haven't bought that one yet. Uh, favorite purchase of the year. That, that runs on to the next question, I guess. Yeah, that was my uh, so segue. Did you like bought, that? Yeah, I did like that. I haven't bought that one yet, but I will buy it at some point. Um, it was on my Christmas list. Uh, so if my someday my family may have got me it, they may not have. If they don't, I might well buy it after the new year. <laughs> Who knows? There's been most of my money this year has been spent on old hammer stuff. I've I've bought very little new stuff this year. Uh, in comparison, so because uh, I'm I'm at a point in most of the armies where I'm I'm happy with what I've got, but that that's one that will get will get picked up. As far as my favorite purchase of the year goes, I think ticking off the box of getting the Chaos Dwarf Army book for uh, fourth edition was one that was. Uh, uh, high on my priority list, uh, but because of the price of it inherently, you know, we were talking about book prices, it's not quite up there with the uh, f- uh, fight and fantasy books that you've got, uh, uh, but it's still a pricey one for for what it is. Um, so getting that this year was, was a hobby bucket list sort of thing, and um, I just love having it to look at. I had it as a PDF, but it's not the same. Nice to just sit down with the actual book, smell the book, yeah. what it's like, yeah. Uh, feel the book, touch the book, be one with the book, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. read the reports and stuff like that. That's sort of thing. It's it's awesome. Like I, I've I've loved having that. I, I love buying it. What about yourself? What was your favourite purchase of the year? Mate, I am looking around at the sea of. Stuff and things that have, you know, wandered into this this room, holy area of mine. And I'm almost thinking that my favourite purchase of the year. No, that was last year. Oh, I thought I had an answer to this. Clearly, I don't. Oh, I mean, I've, I've got an answer. I'm, I was looking for a more exciting one, but um, at the start of the year, I picked up a tank for my Confederate British American style army, and it was the, the um, Mark II Crusader AA. So it's the anti aircraft tank. 
that the it was the British and the Canadians worked on. And I got it I got it from a company called Alba Studios. I needed it quite quick. So right. they were able to I knew they had a file from whatever their um licensing agreements are, so they were able to produce it quite quickly for me. And you know what, it's 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 a thing that's been out for years. There's nothing especially amazing. It's a good print and it's painted up well. And it was part of the Best Painted Army Award that I got when I went to took it to an event. Um that was the Battle of Britain GT, but it's my favourite purchase because of what it did there. As a unit on the battlefield, it was um it was actually quite pivotal in my winning of the event. Um uh-huh. just uh, I, I took an absolute spam aggressive list. Uh, except for that tank and that tank hadn't been seen uh, at the sort of top end of competitive play overly much. But I had been keeping an eye on it and thought I'd found the right the right place for it. And the right place for it was um, as like a like a mother hen guardian angel style unit that took care of the Stuarts. Like I mentioned these M3 Stuarts, the DACA tanks. I had three of them. Which <laughs> was actually three? Yeah, it was three of them. Um oh my god, was it four? I can't remember. It was a terrible list. I had a terrible list. It was absolutely brutal. But what this tank does is that it's on ambush or overwatch, depending on what your sort of vocabulary depicts it. But so it's just waiting for dangers to come near these other tanks that they can't handle. Um and that's what it did for six games. It just looked after these other tanks while they went about and, you know, killed stuff. And she just sat there as a little guardian for... She could only ever take care of two or three of them. One of them always did tend to die. Um, you know, she wasn't couldn't take care of all of them, but that would have to be one of my favourite purchases of the year. Um, from a moral perspective. I kept thinking that I'd gotten some new tools and stuff, but... Everything that I've had, I've had for a while. There's been, I've had a few new products come in, you know, in terms of like paint and stuff, but nothing that's nothing that's set my world on fire. So yeah, I would have to go with that as as a purchase that I've got the most enjoyment from. That that sounds like a a, a brilliant kind of uh, way of looking at that as well. Yeah. Bye. Sounds sounds like a sounds like a wor- a worthwhile purchase, and yeah. like you say, one you've got a great amount of sort of enjoyment out of. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, we're just buying these things to make ourselves happy on a degree, mm-hmm. and there is whether that that's being playing, collecting, or having so even just having something to talk about with other people. Yeah, uh, like I I I love in our group chats. Like me, you, Gordon Ross, or whatever, where we just drop something. Like everybody's, like Gordon did one, a beautiful one today. Like uh, the, with the uh, the this War Scryer Citadel thing, or whatever yeah. it is. Like he he just drops into the chat. Oh, I, I, I forgot my mum. Uh, my mum had this uh, up in the <laughs> house. 
and you look at it and you're thinking, fuck me, Gordon, that's that that's shifting for like three hundred quid or something like that on uh, on eBay these days. And you've got one like just floating about in the background and it is an awesome bit of scenery oh, as yeah, well. It is. Unreal. It's a beautiful uh, bit of scenery. And it's it's stuff like that, you know, like he's he's obviously like forgotten he's got it, but he has seen it again and it's reinvigorated that like um that that enjoyment and it's also yeah. spread out into us going fuck yeah that's great as well yeah um so that that sort of stuff really really uh like is you can't buy that as happiness uh, or if you're buying it because and making yourself happy by buying toys and stuff like that it's a worthwhile expense yeah it really is that connection with everybody about it. Uh, it's good. This sounded a bit like a love-in from me today. Uh, but, well, this is this uh, is the fireside fallout, mate, so you've you know, let, our, let our emotions it out. It's been been a busy year. I I, I, I like this positive aspect of stuff, you know, like uh, it's part of the reason where it keeps me in the hobby. There's a, there's a lot of things... Uh, good and bad about the hobby mm-hmm. but like i i play it to have fun with my friends um and that's the important thing at the end of the day yeah so it's worth a living i think um so what's the next question what's your favorite model that you've painted this year that's, that's gonna be a toughie it doesn't even have to be one that you um, think you painted really well, because you can enjoy something like the process of painting it, and it doesn't have to be uh, like your best effort. Could even just be a random. Well, no, I, I get, I do, I do get that, but I think you know I'm going to be ranting a little bit at some of our later questions, and this this touches this touches on part that nerve that I'm going to expose. A little bit later on, but like uh, in terms of enjoyment and outcome, it would be the that extra expansion of painting that I had to do for the Confederate Army, the, the Confederate Bolt Action Army, which included the Crusader plus some more infantry plus some more Stuarts, you know. But the it was painting those miniatures that would have been my most satisfying, and it also. Uh, drove me down the path of doing a little display board for them as well, which I was happy with. Um, can't remember if yep. you re- recall it. It's got like the telegraph poles and yeah, stuff yeah, going yeah. on. And I, I've, I've threaded, you know, wires or cables, stuff and like that. So um, so that that actual process, there weren't any new techniques. It was just all stuff that I'd already previously established, but just going back to revisit it was... Um, was nice and comforting and as I said though I mean they were good models of pain but I think what they managed to do gaming wise made them my sort of favourite models um, from the year you though have been a very busy painter this year oh fuck I but I mean like bear in mind that uh, uh, most of what I've painted has been for other people uh, but again you know like I could equally choose something from there to be the, the, my favourite thing I've painted. However, uh, I shan't 
Uh, my favorite thing I've painted. My <laughs> favorite thing I've painted this year was my uh, Lamasu and Sorcerer for my Chaos Dwarf Army. Um, I, I I've said on the podcast before, like I don't think I do bases badly. I tend to think I tend to be a bit more of the formulaic side uh, with bases, which is fine on armies and. Uh, sort of skirmishy stuff, but sometimes you kind of want to push yourself about your comfort zone with stuff. And mm-hmm. I spent a bit longer on the base with that one in terms of it, it because of the way it was, with it being an older model and a, a relatively newer model together, trying to get the two of them to work so I could get that mesh of styles uh, so I could use them together, but also separately as well. Um, it required a bit of thought going into that base uh so that it was flexible enough for that purpose but also like i i really enjoyed painting the lamasu um i really enjoyed painting the sorcerer as well they're both interesting models to paint because of like uh the sorcerer's got some weird details on it like the the hand grenade uh and uh it gave me a wee bit of chance to do a little bit of uh glow effect on his staff uh, the Lamasu is just a weird-looking model that works. It doesn't, it, and it just it it lended itself well to the way I wanted to, it to look, stalking down the rocks. Uh, kind of like what I was saying about that um, Cities of Sigmar model. It it just looks like he's flowing down, walking to be beside his rider. Um, yep. I, I kind of that that was an enjoyable process. There was no part of that where I was like I felt like any part of it was a chore. Sometimes basic can be a chore for me. Um, I, I painted the two of them separately, but with a view to them being together, so that it, they had to work together tonally as well. So I was looking at that in terms of how do I tie that together so that they don't look alien on the bases together. Mm-hmm. Like I say, there's I put a lot of thought into that, and I think it's come out pretty good. I, I like I say, I enjoyed it, and it looks like a it's a, a good centerpiece for my army. Um, so that was my favourite one to paint for the year. For show, for show. Cool. I think so, we're, we're almost in kind of rant territory. I think I feel like with some of the other yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've I've been I've been gearing up a rant. And this is when, I mean, to, to to give the listeners some context here, we're going to talk about the hobby highs and lows that we've personally enjoyed and suffered during 2023. Um, and I guess some of mine are actually tied back to quite a few of the podcasts that we've, we've created and the, the content within them. Because mm-hmm. at the start of the year, I... Uh, have to give the titles to my rants. I am really pissed off at myself that I have not created something new for me this year. And it's because, um, and I'm looking back retrospectively now, that it's because I went down the rabbit hole of slap chopping armies. So I produced lots of armies for sale for others, for commission, for open sale. And I, I produced a lot of models at the start of the year. And then I got buried kind of in this sort of tournament season sort of thing. So I was using already existing armies, but I just needed to add units to expand those armies. 
And I added units to every single bolt action army I've got. You know, the Germans, the Soviets, the, the Confederate Americans. Um, you know, so I was always going back to doing a few, you know, a little tank or a couple of infantry units or artillery units or just something more to make them more. And I never created anything new this year for me. It really has fucked me off when I I have got great projects sitting there, ready to roll, but I've, I've never actually pulled my finger out to deliver them. That would have to be the low point. And it's actually right. come at the end of the year when I've looked back, that's the low point. And that nothing... I never did anything for me. Anything new for me. Fuck, mate, there's even an empty shelf in my cabinet for, for a bolt action army that just has never appeared. You know, I yeah. cleared the space out ready for it to, to go there. And originally it was going to be the German Gigant army, you know, the, the false invasion of um, England. You know, and mm -hmm. I have, I've got all the miniatures. You know, I've got the tanks, I've got the transports, I've got the infantry models. I've even, I even went out and bought the basin kits for them. I know exactly what I wanted to do, but I just never did it. And, and I don't know if I just didn't do it because that would just mean I've got, oh, it's just another German army. Um, so that really fucked me off. It really pissed me off. And I, I want to address that for next year. In saying that, though, I've had a lot of really good hobby highs this year, but they have they have been focused on the gaming side of things, which is again telling. And that you know, usually for me, there would be a a good collection of best painted trophies, and I am pretty sure there is only. Actually, there's only two. There's only got two best painted trophies this year, and they're for works I've already done. It was just by, by, um, not by chance, but it was because those armies had never been to those particular events that they were eligible to win, which is great. You know, it's still my work. I still work hard for them, and okay, they've never been to that event, which means, you know, it's not like I lucked out or you know, I was just given the award. Um, you know, they were valid armies to get it, but for me, they weren't new. It wasn't it wasn't my my next step in painting to say it's like this is the newest army I've got. It's just like here's one yeah. of the here here's a great army off the shelf that I have got from previous years. So all the hobby highs are from gaming. And I guess I would have to say that the best hobby high or best, yeah, is it, this is the individual event. This is the Battle of Britain GT. That would have to be the highest point just for me personally because I think I mentioned previously I did, I did put a lot of work into it and in that I studied the pack quite a lot and, and, and I know people will be thinking it's like oh well I read all the player packs but I guess they're reading it understanding it, studying it and then just really absorbing it so that 
when I was actually playing the games, I wasn't having to reference the player pack for anything. You know, what? how many points did I get for winning an objective? What was the next mission? What units can claim and contest board quarters? Um, that was already in my head. I knew that player pack as well as I knew the rule book. So I wasn't having to waste any conscious time thinking about shit like that. And I also crunched my army, crunched the numbers on my army a lot. Like, I know that I, I tooled it up and it was very sort of meta, if you like that term. Um, but I made sure it was an army that I could play. It wasn't like a net list sort of thing. I'd studied, I understood my play style and made sure I had all the tools, but I also cloaked it in, you know, filth, I guess. <laughs> is the term other people like to use. <laughs> and it was nice to be able to then go to the event, still enjoy it, and deliver the ultimate result, which was the victory, and get best painted for it. And that was with the Confederate Americans. So from, from that personal perspective, that was the hobby high. Um, and being able to do that at the, um, at the Games Expo in Birmingham, it just meant it was it was on a bigger forum, bigger sort of platform for me, um, and and it was a grand tournament. So it was it's the first GT level event that I had won. Um, well, it's the only GT level event I've won. So no, I, that meant a lot. Meant a lot to me personally to to nail that. That was a big a big high for me. You've got the same questions to answer, mate. Good luck. They're toughies. Yeah, I'm trying to think about which way around to answer this uh, because uh, do I want to end on a high or do I want to drag it down? I think I want to end on a high. Um, so as far as hobby lows go, I think the lowest points for me in the hobby this year have all been sort of surrounded by what I would call hobby vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for me that is just the the definition of that is somebody who just sucks the life out of enjoying the hobby for you. Yep. Um my year has been full of that. With just people like just finding ways to make things a little bit less enjoyable. Um well, I'm not. I'm not going to name any names here. Um, people can make whatever conclusions they like from, uh, from comments or whatever. Uh, because, but I'm not going to name anybody in, individually because that's not fair. Um, but well, our our listeners in Japan don't care. <laughs> uh, nobody, nobody based in Japan falls on that list. Uh, yeah. So they they're in the clear. But but yeah, like for me, like there's only so much that you feel like you could, you should you should have to put up with uh, now. Um, whether it's people being like unnecessarily rules lawyery um, in chats or uh, like on in groups or whatever. That that's an example where you're just like, right, okay, I get you have a question about the validity of this, uh, or whatever, 
and some folk have got amazing insight into uh, rules and want to quest and stuff. That that's valid. I totally get that. You know, it's that's fine. But you genuinely get a lot of of stuff where it is honestly, it's like it's like people looking for the next gotcha all the time, mm-hmm. and it is exhausting. And you say, oh, well, maybe you should just not go on the forums or maybe you should not go on the things. But but then if you don't go on, you miss out on some of the good stuff. So you've got a catch-22 there. Um, so there's that element of it. You know, and that, that's, I'm, I've, I've been struggling with that for, for a long time. I've, I've tried in the last couple of years just to not bother replying to stuff or... Uh, or get involved in it. And I, to, for the most part, I've succeeded in that. I don't comment very much on these things anymore, um, just because I can't be bothered with it. Um, but the other aspect of it is just people who who think they deserve your time for whatever reason. You know, and it's like, they seem to forget that you have a a requirement for enjoying your hobby as well, right? Um, like I I would like to be able to sit down and play a game of Blood Bowl without somebody being fucking awkward. Uh, and I do get games like uh, that I really enjoy. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean my opponents. Mm-hmm. Might be somebody in the room who is just playing in such a negative manner, or or what have you, and their their negative energy spills out into the whole thing and just sucks the life out of the tournament for me because they've either just taken the shine off somebody else's win by making accusations at somebody later on, or belittling their the somebody else's win because they've had a easier field or whatever or used a spawny team. Like there are all there seems to be a lot of people floating about at the moment who have zero interest in celebrating people's achievement and more interest in uh either making excuses for themselves not doing well or diminishing that person's uh, achievement to try and right. up them. And that has just literally sucked the life out of me all year. Um, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's a, a very big negative thing for me at the moment. Um and and I I honestly hope it's better in twenty twenty four, uh because I don't know if I can be bothered with it. There are there are e- elements of the hobby that I really enjoy, and that is playing with people that I like and respect, and want to have fun with. Uh, but I don't owe anybody else my time. Um, and I'm just gonna have to be a bit more careful about how much of my time. I give to other people, I think, or thinking yeah. about other people and letting them bother me, because um, that that that's been that's been tough this year. So, 
in order to kind of bring that back up because that I have been quite lovey-dovey for most of the episode and that has maybe taken the shine off it a little bit but it is a hobby low um as ter- in terms of hobby high uh I'll, I'll hark back to my discussion about UKTC uh, UKTC was a, a, a great hobby high for me this year um I went with three other people um as part of a team two of whom I would class as good friends one of one of which I didn't know very well and who came in very late in the process and uh has hopefully become a fairly good friend as a result um but we all got together we played our games we were all celebrating each other's achievement within that and we came out in second place and some people would be like oh we didn't win you you're all you were the first best loser uh you didn't win the event like i honestly it wouldn't have mattered whether i'd won or come second there like the the entire thing was just perfect from start to finish and it was just like it was it was amazing i wouldn't trade that for anything else in the world hobby wise at the moment yep it was it was great it was just a such a, a phenomenal experience and um it was great sort of sitting there with uh with gordon chris and uh and mark at the end and just thinking shit like we managed that we pulled that out of the hat and uh again like i said it's maybe odd celebrating coming in second uh but no it's not it's not at all four four scottish guys going to the biggest uk team tournament uh and just put it in a good shift was was great but that's that was that was the same for world open war for us like when i say we won our group i know in the past past podcast i've mentioned this but like on day one, they had us divided into groups, and then the winners from each group went forward into like a big winners group on the second day, and they played for like the main trophy, and then all the second place teams got put in another group, third place, etc., fourth place, etc. So we were second in our day one group, so we won group two, yeah. which meant we got a trophy for winning group two, but you know. Okay, it wasn't second place overall. It was, you know, we won a group on day two, etc. But it was a, it was still a huge achievement. And coming in second at a UKTC to stand on the podium, it's still a huge achievement, and it should not be yeah. disregarded on any level. And we spent more time as a group on the top four tables than we didn't spend on the top four tables. So it's not like. <laughs> We sub submarined and and jumped our way up to the top. Uh, at the last, at the, by the skin of our teeth, at the last end, we we were really sort of smashing it out the park. And like dipping back into the negative a bit, that was that was one of the things where our achievement was soured a little bit for me by some comments from people within the community, um, in a negative way, uh. I, I'm assuming out of jealousy or or 
with agendas or whatever. Uh, but it just it, it that 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 was that's the sort of thing I'm talking about, you know, with with negativity and rather than sort of help and celebrate somebody else's positive outcome, there are people out there who would quite happily shit all over what you did yep. because it wasn't them who did it. Uh, and like I say, I I loved that, and and it was a great experience. Uh, and uh, I'm happy. I am happy. I spent it with the people I did because uh, it was a it was a, a full on like once in a lifetime thing. Not expecting to do as well next year at it, but uh, um, like just just a great a great thing a great thing, and will always be something I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. As you should be. So with that chat about, you know, you mentioned next year, what is, so, moving forward, our fireside fallout, 2024, what is it, I'll, I'll double barrel the question, what do you want to achieve? What are you looking forward to? Okay. What do I want to achieve? Can I just um, can I just do a quick caveat for? I'll answer the first question for both of us. Right, sure. What are we looking forward to? Old world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that that's a given. That that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to next year. Fucking Warhammer, the old world. This podcast is going to be swimming in old world content next year. I hope. Yes, I don't. You don't hope it will be, regardless of what uh, what comes out or doesn't come out. I I fully expect this to be uh, old world heavy uh, from start to finish next year because yeah. uh, both of us are excited about it. It's 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 looks worthy of excitement. We even saw some box uh, art uh, leaks this week. Uh, and even you and I were both probably as equally excited about uh, seeing a box. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> uh, it's just unreal. Yeah, I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to Old World. So that's that's what we're looking forward to. We've answered that question for the both of us. But what what do you want to achieve next year, mate? I don't know. Um, this is a hard one because. See, I'm not an overly competitive person, so I, I, I would I would probably um distance myself from saying oh, I want to achieve um uh, um like winning X or Y or anything like that. Cause it's just not it's not in my nature to want to to kind of fall down that rabbit hole. But I think what I want to achieve is getting back into that um full enjoyment of the hobby uh with with no strings attached to it next year uh and by I'll qualify what I mean by that I think most of my hobby next year is going to be built around spending time with like say Gordon yourself Ross uh people who I who I love playing any game system with, I could pick up any game with either either of you guys 
and just mm-hmm. I know for a fact it would just be a good laugh. You know, like we could yeah. we'd either be learning the game together, or one of us would be teaching the game to the other one, or uh, or we'd both be giving it our all, uh, trying to best each other uh, on the table because we're both comfortable in that in that game. Um, so kind of recapturing that would probably be my my hobby goal. Because uh, I haven't played with you much uh, over the last three or four years. Yeah. I think, yep. uh, aside from the odd game online, um, like, and seeing you at uh, Mega Bowl, uh, we've not been in the same physical space for a long time. So I'm, I'm hoping mm-hmm. things like the old world will will kind of encourage like a weekend where like you come to us up here or whatever. Or, yep. Uh, or what have you, and we just get a chance to spend a bit more time enjoying ourselves doing stuff like that, you know. Um, I'll still be going to tournaments for the most part. There'll be some that I just won't bother with. There'll be some that I'm desperate to go to because I enjoy it. Like, again, UKTC is a nailed-on one for me this year as well, uh, coming as well. Uh, but I say that's less important. I think uh, I think it's more about enjoying the social aspect of the hobby again more Mm -hmm. how about yourself well i have i've laid a few threads throughout this episode i want to deliver quality painting projects for myself and there are three key projects that i i must deliver for me and one of them is a brand new Blood Bowl team to a really good quality. And that's going to be that dwarf team. I need that for the Scottish team event. I need it for the, what's the big one? Big two day. Mulligan's open. Yep. 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 And I'm not, I'm not going in with the aim to try and win Best Painted because there are so many, so many good community painters for Blood Bowl. But I want to make sure that I'm up there in the top five. Like I want to, I want, I would like the Scottish community to be reminded of what I can do in terms of behind the paintbrush and actually nothing else. I can't really do anything else behind, behind the dice cup at the moment, but I can still paint a model. Um, but I've been away from the Blood Bowl community for about too long. So just a reminder that, you know, oh yeah, GoldenEye, he can paint and he thinks he can play. Uh, <laughs> the other two projects that I need to deliver for myself are a new bolt action army for a new nation that I don't have or don't play yet. And Usually I would keep these things all super secret squirrel. Oh, don't want the, the this blood the bolt action community in Scotland to know what I'm doing. But I am making a Japanese army for myself. Um and that's already underway. That's the fifty, sixty odd models that I've been cleaning up in basin. I want to get them ready for tournaments for next year. And i I want to deliver that to a good standard. Uh, so that they can hopefully bring me some some best painted or best themed um, awards next year. 
And then I also want to deliver that German Gigant Army because it, it's a really it's got a lot of hobby stuff. Like the Japanese stuff is very much out of the box. Go through the process, paint them, play with them. Whereas with the Gigant Army, there is some scratch build stuff that's required. Um, so there's more of a sort of extra hobby challenge going on with that. Those are the three personal things I really want to deliver for myself in 2024. For the community, though, I have been working with um, a couple of other guys on a bolt action campaign weekend. Now, mm-hmm. the campaign weekend, in my opinion, in my mind, is the white whale of bolt action. It's the thing that everybody says they want, but nobody has. De- I don't believe anybody's actually delivered one. Or if they try to deliver one, nobody's bought a ticket and it hasn't actually happened. Because, okay. because everybody wants one, but they don't know what they want it to be. Now, to explain away this, that if you're having a, a competitive tournament, there's a, a, this is how you build your list. It's going to be a competitive event. There'll be tables, there'll be missions, you'll play games against other players. It's a Swiss draw, you'll get points, there'll be a winner at the end. Sounds straightforward. If it's an introductory event, similar thing, but everybody will share the prizes. You know, there'll be a raffle or something nice and friendly. There'll be no trophies, but, you know, three games, pats in the back. What's a campaign day? People want to play with themed armies. Well, you can have themed events. I would say that the Megatron 3000 is a themed event. It uses theater selectors. Those armies have themes. But what's the campaign day? You know, so what we're doing is is the anniversary of D-Day. 80 years it will have been since next year. So myself and two others um, are, are working towards creating something called D-Day Replayed. Tickets have just gone on sale. And I will talk a bit more about this in future podcasts as, as a way to promote the event and relay information to potential players. But what we are planning to do is replay D-Day in a sort of um, small stories is, the, is the, the, the phrase that we're using. So instead of having one big grand battlefield <clears throat> the small stories will take place on six foot by four foot gaming tables and they will depict uh, beach landings um, on on the morning of D-Day, how the fights moved inland um, you know as the, the beaches were taken and you know the conflict moved further inland there'll be some of the sort of historical battles refought um, Pegasus Bridges won uh, the gun batteries at Point to Hawk and there'll be a lot more I will talk a lot more about this in future episodes but I really want to be part of the team that delivers I don't want to say a successful campaign weekend but a campaign gaming weekend that people enjoyed because we're trying to deliver something that's never been delivered there's no, there's no pack that you pick up and go Oh yeah, you do A, B, and C, and then you know your event has run, and now we had a good time. You know, it's not like Granite Bowl or or Mega Bowl where we 
we set it up in tour play. People submit their rosters, then they rock up, play their games, we dish out some trophies and prizes, and everybody's really happy. There's more, and I want to be part of the team that delivers that, as I said, maybe not a successful one, but one that was very enjoyable. Um, and to commemorate, you know, 80 years since D-Day, that's, that's actually quite, quite something. So I'll be talking a lot more about that in the future. Um, and I think beyond that, that's those are my goals. Like, you know, there's there's the Megatron weekend, the Megatron Cup weekend. I know the work I need to do to deliver that. So that's I'm not going to say that's just you know whatever. I'll I'll be focused on that. But I want to make sure that that runs for the community. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's that's actually those are those are my key hobby goals for next year three painting projects and deliver a campaign day campaign weekend some good that's some good goals gonna be fucking tough mate they call it they're all achievable they are i think i think they are for sure like <laughs> The campaign thing's an interesting one because, like you say, there's there's obviously some um, things that stop that from being less likely to be successful. Um, mm-hmm. But it's certainly like a an achievable thing. Um, it's it's it if you manage to kind of get it to work as a group, um, yep. it will be a good a, a good feeling that one. I think. Um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the guys I'm working yeah, with... That's a good one. The guys I'm working with, Stuart and Grant, they've got their their skill sets. And, um, you know, they, they started the ball rolling. They brought me on to use my skill set as a tournament organiser. <coughs> so between the three of us, we are going to deliver a weekend. Um, and I just... I. Uh, Somebody's got to give it a try, and I'm and I'm, and I'm I am happy to be on board, giving it a go. Yeah, sounds good. Busy twenty twenty fours. Yep. I know uh, it'll be my first foray into bolt action as well next year. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to look forward to. Mm-hmm. In a, well, in that's something that we should, um, and, that, and that's where we should plan plan a weekend or a day where I come up. We get some old world, we get some bolt action, we get some laugh. Yeah, uh, there's definitely scope for that. Yep. Gordon's uh, Gordon's house is uh, big enough <laughs> to host everybody. I think for sure. Yeah, but he should uh, be able to host, host a small tournament there. If not, he can just I, well, build, an, build an extension. Uh, he's definitely got enough surface area to host a small tournament for sure. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, it'll, be, it'll be it'll be good to see that uh, that kind of coming round and um, see where we are this time next year, and whether we've uh, we've got. I think we, yeah, I think we're going to have to look back on what we said this time round. Because we oh, of course. This, in this kind of way before, you know, like previously we've talked about 
uh like a few a few bits and bobs and like the faq for blood bowl which uh mm. didn't even really warrant talking about much uh uh, this time round, to be honest, uh, because it wasn't that much of a big deal. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think this 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 will have to be something we reflect on um, and how we've achieved or not achieved or changed our hobby goals and plans during the year in twenty twenty four. Yep. Well, I hope our listeners have enjoyed this year with us, and I, I'm thankful for them. Um, if you've got the time I think maybe you should take the, the moment to reflect upon your own hobby for the year, see what your highs and lows were, maybe try and answer some of the questions that myself and Phil did um, Phil did it sober, I've had a couple of glasses of wine now um, and I'm already looking back thinking yeah, I should have been a bit maybe a bit harsher on some of those questions I've, um, or maybe I've been a bit too harsh on myself, you can you can only ever do what you can do, and you also have to remember as well that <coughs> there's not just the hobby that we've all got and that we all share. There's real life. No yes. families get sick or you know act crazy, or there's you know things you have to take care of away from the painting table and the gaming table. So make sure there's make sure there's a balance. And I know Phil will have a final word to say, but my final word to say is. Thank you, and I will see you in 2024. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Season 5, Episode 1 in January. <laughs> hoping, hoping we remember how we've, uh, we've uh, sequenced these episodes, and also uh, uh, hopefully we'll have some new shit to talk about uh, with the old world uh, by the next time as well. Yes, Fingers so crossed, excited. mate. Have you got any final words to the to the listeners in the audience? Other than just thanks for listening to us over the last year, and um, um, I guess uh, I, I hope folk have enjoyed what we've chatted about. Um, it'll be good. It would be good to hear other people's hobby goals. So if you've got any or your hobby highs and lows, pump them in the uh, uh, two guys one dice cup uh, page and let us know about them. Or drop us a message about them. I love hearing what folk are saying. And also, massive thanks to you as well for being here to chat to. Uh, it helps oh, thanks, make mate. life a, a better thing. Oh, no, I feel bad for not thanking you. <laughs> well, it, it was noted. <laughs> nah, nah, it's, I know it's, it's, un, uh, it's implied uh, anyway, but yeah. Um, like yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much for being part of this all year, and for the the previous three years before it as well. Pleasure, mate. Happy to be by your side. On that note, right. Goodbye. Goodbye, folks. <laughs>